the only difference between traditional media companies and software companies with media offerings within them is really how they make money, right? Traditional media, ads and subscriptions, not a great business model. The subscriptions, I think some media brands are doing really well with that. Software and media, they make money through products and subscriptions. And the unit economics are much, much better. It does mean you have to think differently about how you measure this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. So I want to start with something that is really pivotal for fast growth companies. And in particular, companies who want to get to a really large number, HubSpot's over 1 billion in ARR. And when you realize within those companies, you have to make big bets, and those big bets come with hard decisions. You cannot rest on your laurels. So I wanted to get into a little bit of like why making big bets is important to begin with. And it's really because of this. Like This is one of the things that really frustrates me about working in B2B. I think it's way more fun to try to optimize for maximizing the upside than it is to kind of minimize the downside, right? How, how do we take risks and think about the most optimistic scenario, which I struggle with because I have my Irish pessimism, versus like trying to play small so I can minimize that downside? And it's because what happens is like when you're a private company, it's much easier to maximize for growth and take higher risks. When you become a public company, you're a little bit of a slave to the uh, public markets, and you have to continue to like, play it safe a little bit and hit your growth numbers. So you kind of go from risk to a candidacy. And if you look at like, the top uh, companies in the US stock exchange across 20, 20, uh, 2000, 2010, and 2020, it's really hard to get to the top, but it's much, much harder to stay to the top. That, that group is constantly changing, and I think it's because as you get bigger, you become less risk adverse. And so my kind of really simpler form, formula for like big, taking big bets is uh, when the bet is really big, there is going to be a lot of arguments. Uh, I have experienced this. Or else, other than that, like it's rainbows and unicorns. So you really need an argument framework to tee up being able to make risky investments. And I really love this uh, framework from Spotify. It's called the DIB model. And the DIB model uh, has four basic principles, data, insight, belief, and bet, right? What data do you have to suggest this is a bet worth taking? What insights do you have about the data to say that this is a path we should go down? What is your belief around that? And then what is the bet you are willing to make? What you realize about all of these initiatives that you want to take within your company that come with inherent risks is that most of the debate is around the beliefs. And this framework gives you a really great, great uh, uh, place to actually Focus all of your efforts and your arguments within that belief stage. So for the rest of this presentation, I want to bring you through, you don't have to read the slide because I'm going to go through it. I want to kind of go through the DIB framework for buying the hustle, betting big on media, and building out a, a media org of about 80 people now. So in terms of the data we had, we had kind of three core pieces of data. Uh, the cost of paid advertising was really skyrocketing, especially during COVID. You've seen CPM 
prices go up over 100% year on year. I think that trend is going to continue in the medium to long term. It will likely decrease in the short term as we feel the pinch from the recession. There's actually a good arbitrage opportunity for companies in brand marketing. I think prices will come down. We've seen digital content consumption explode. We're consuming way more content, but that content is not text. It is not blogs. It is in newsletters. It is in podcasts. It is in YouTube. And our own internal data, we polled our own audience, suggested that our consumers and our audience were spending way more time within these mediums, and we were not actually that great at those mediums. Our insight around media was very similar to the insight we had around inbound marketing. Inbound marketing became popular because as the internet grew in popularity, education really became debundled, right? We had these other platforms like blogs, webinars, social, where B2B brands could actually create content and add value to their consumers. And so we actually saw this explosion in terms of the way marketing was done, and now inbound marketing is really just the core part of how brands acquire people for their products or services. And we've seen that HubSpot has seen that, right? Our own blogs are a core part of how we drive revenue for our business. We get more web traffic than the likes of TechCrunch, Entrepreneur, Inc., all of these other brands. And if actually you go to SimilarWeb and you look at these brands, we're one of the few that are still growing in traffic. These other brands are decreasing because Google is starting to squeeze people out of the organic listings. That is a real thing that's going to happen over the next two to three years. And so this educational content, that inbound insight, really helped Brands become a trusted source of information when people are searching for help, right? Very search-driven. How, how do I educate you? How do I make sure I appear when you actually have a query and you need help on something? What we believe is the same thing is going to happen for media. Media is going to get debundled, and it's going to give SaaS brands an opportunity to be relevant all the time, not just when you have something that you want to query, when you have a need, when you have help. Rather, I, we can be your favorite podcast, we can be your favorite YouTube channel, we can have the biggest and brightest newsletter within the industry. And so SaaS brands have got really good at the distribution part. How do I use inbound marketing to acquire demand for my products, my services? It is not so good at the influence part. How do I actually get share of voice within my space? How do I create content that people want to meaningfully engage with? And then in terms of our belief, this was a quote from Dharmesh, our co-founder, actually before we decided to acquire a media company. Modern media companies have a software company embedded inside. In the future, next-gen software companies will have a media company embedded inside of them. So that was our core belief. We wanted to transition from inbound marketing to inbound media. We wanted to pair education with media. We wanted to own one of the biggest and brightest business uh, media networks within the industry. And so we wanted to get really world-class at the influence part. We were already world-class at the distribution part. So we're going into like what actually happened. In terms of next steps, when you are trying to make a, you know, a real substantial bet on something, you kind of get into the part of where you could actually build it, partner, or buy. Right? You can acquire something to accelerate your growth. You can decide to carve out a team and build it. Or you can partner in really creative ways. Build is really opportunity cost. Like, if we could build this, we believed we could build the media team to become a real part of the kind of online uh, business media network, but it would be at a real opportunity cost, right? There were other things we wanted to focus on. There were other resources we had. There were other priorities we had, so it would just be too much time. Partner, one of our core beliefs is we do not want to partner. We want to own the asset. We do not want to rent the asset. We would rather have the skill sets internally to build the thing rather than actually partner someone and be reliant on them. And then the part that every kind of media article on our acquisition missed is the real reason we did that acquisition was for the talent, 
not through leads. The leads, I, I saw all of these like articles, oh, HubSpot's really smart, it's buying this, it's going to generate leads. The leads were not meaningful to us, not meaningful at all in terms of the amount of volume we generate. We wanted the talent, right? We wanted the talent. We wanted to have the best media team within our company because talent attracts talent. When we acquired the hustle, we ended up hiring multiple people from Wall Street Journal, from Forbes, like all of these other incredible media brands that would never join a SaaS brand, but they loved the fact that we had the hustle and they loved the fact that we had uh, HubSpot and software unit economics because media unit economics are not that great. So when you're actually looking for a company, there's two types of fit you're looking for in terms of like the ideal company to acquire. There's founder vision fit, right? We wanted to find a company that had a founder that believed in the vision that we had, which was to build an incredible business media network. And they had to believe in that vision, even if it meant changes to their company, right? They could not be precious about the fact we may want to change how their company is structured, how their company operate, the goals of that company. And then we wanted to really find somewhere that had a vision culture fit, that we could actually bring on the key people, and those key people would stay around because they wanted to work with us, and they believed in the thing we were building. So they were the two types of fit we were looking for. We talked to a range of media companies, about five media companies, and the one that really fit with our narrative or our vision was the Hustle. Hustle was uh, created by Sam Parr, who's uh, a lot of people may know from the My First Million podcast, but he built a really incredible media business, and the thing that Sam believed is media is really impactful but it will be even better for software companies because their unit economics are way better than media unit economics, and we could grow much rapidly because of that. The other thing that you kind of do not think about, and B2B brands typically don't think about, is you know, if you're a B2B company, you try to like, stay really niche and try to like, focus on your buyer. The thing is, like, more audience is always better. Audience actually buys leverage, and now we had our existing audience, now we have the hustle audience, and we could do much uh, greater and grander things because of that. Right, the next thing we did, three months later, only three months later, we, we were not really good in audio. We were not really good in podcasting. We had like a singular podcast. It did not get a lot of downloads. Within three months, we actually kind of used the talent we acquired in the hustle, the talent we had in HubSpot. We acquired the My First Million podcast, which came with the deal. We spun that into a Hub, HubSpot podcast network. So we had um, about 17 to 18 shows. Uh, in a really short amount of time, and we had millions and millions of downloads each and every month. And the way we thought about that podcast network, again, in terms of what are your points of leverage, how can I gain leverage here, how can I win in this market? Podcasts are the hardest thing to grow because they have no inbuilt distribution channel. They have an inbuilt distribution channel today because we're all moving podcasts to YouTube, right? Inbuilt search, you can actually grow podcasts much easier if it's a YouTube-first podcast but they really don't have a great distribution channel. The best way to grow a podcast is to actually get promoted on other podcasts. So we had core, three core things in terms of how we built our podcast network. We wanted to build liquidity in the network, which meant we brought on established shows. So now we had a lot of downloads in a short amount of time, or a lot of listeners in a short amount of time. We wanted to accelerate those shows. So we actually created all of these incentives to help podcasts promote other podcasts and how we grew those podcasts. There's podcasts in our shows that have grown from 800,000 to 3 million within, within a year. So we accelerated the growth of them. And then we added originals. So HubSpot created our own shows, and we could accelerate the growth of those shows, and we own that IP through the network. So some of our shows have grown from zero to about 350,000 downloads, a single show, within about three to four months, right? We were able to accelerate growth much, much rapidly because we built this network. 
The other thing we truly believe in, and I think this is a really great quote from David Freeberg, the All In podcast, in 30 years' time, he said, all traditional brands will be dead. And the reason he said that is because of this, right? Traditional brands are kind of created in the, in the way that you create product first, create your audience, and then create community. What you're seeing today is audience is the most scarcest resource you can have. It's actually easier, easier in, some, in some respects to build product than it is to acquire audience. You see these influencers who acquire audience cultivate the community, and then launch products. Mr. Beast is probably one of the best examples. Right? This YouTuber who's built this mass amount of audience, 186 million subscribers, billions of views. He cultivated the community, brought them in, done all of this cool stuff with the community, made them part of the actual videos, and then he launched multiple products. He launched a restaurant chain. He launched this kind of chocolate brand. He's, acquired, he's generated millions and millions in revenue. He recently got an offer of a billion dollars for his YouTube channels. We don't know who the brand was, but someone offered him a billion dollars for his business. And he is a great example of what is happening, right? But this is a B2B conference, not a B2C. So what, why is this relevant to this audience? Well, there's a couple of things that I think will be relevant uh, to B2B in terms of how the B2C, audience, uh, B2C market works. The first one, Gen Z and millennials, they're two times more likely than boomers to trust influencers. Like That's a real stat. They rely on influencers and influential people in the market to decide what software products to actually use. Digital content consumption is growing, so search is actually harder to rank in than ever before. And the mediums that are growing, like TikTok, news that are podcasts, they favor individuals, not brands. They favor individuals, not brands. And then I think at some point, all B2B content is going to go pop culture. If anyone spends any time in fintech, like 10 years ago, if I told you finance is one of the coolest places in terms of content, influencers, comedy, you would have called me crazy. It is like one of the best spaces online for media and content. I think all business follows that. We believe in that. That's why we launched, now we bought the hustle, launched the podcast network. Now we launched a creator program. The creator program allows emergent stars to launch new shows on our media network. And it works much like a VC firm. We bring in people through seed. We have a way that we set them up way that we pay them through that kind of seed. So we have a light investment we make in them. And then based on their success, they can graduate within our creator program to Series A, B, and our more established stars, like My First Million and Sean Perry, they would be on Series C. And so we have this way now that creators can launch uh, shows within our media network. We tie into the creator, uh, creator community because those mediums favor individuals, not brands. And the average podcast on our podcast network for the for the emerging stars have grown 76%, right? And so all of those podcasts are growing really, really rapidly within our network. Oh, cool. Uh, and so in the future, I think the only difference between traditional media companies and software companies with media offerings within them is really how they make money, right? Traditional media, ads, and subscriptions, not a great business model. The subscriptions, I think some media brands are doing really well with that. Software and media, they make money through products and subscriptions and the unit economics are much, much better. It does mean you have to think differently about how you measure this, right? HubSpot traditionally measured all of the content through this kind of demand lens. If you think about the two circles I showed, in by marketing and distribution, how much demand do we generate through leads and signups? That's how we quantified our return on that investment. What we've done now is layered on a reach metric. So we think about how much free advertising we get across our own media network. What's that worth to us in dollars? So we have how many million dollars of free advertising do we get across our media network? And that's how we think about the reach. And the last thing I'll kind of leave you with, or last second last thing I'll leave you with is 
B2B brands need to think differently about content, right? We think about content as a dressed up way to get people to click on things that we want them to really do. We don't really think about the substance of the content. In media, content is the product, right? They, they obviously monetize through impressions, but that really is the product. So you have to kind of think about how are we different or better? How do we have the talent to compete? All of these creators are going to eat up attention in your space. They're going to do it. And you're going to have to up-level your game to really compete with them. So you do have the talent to compete. Distribution, how do I promote this, is much more as, as important as creation. Everything is measurable, right? It doesn't need to be a demand metric, but it is measurable if it's a reach metric. And so for us, right, we went from our North Star on our business media network is monthly media engagements. That is how many people are opening our newsletters, how many people are visiting our blogs, how many people are viewing things on YouTube, how many people are downloading our podcast. And we went from, uh, I can't give you the exact numbers because I didn't run it through legal, but we went through um, you know, millions and millions to millions, millions, millions. And so you could see the growth that happened after we acquired the hustle. And now we have like a tangible and sizable the business media network that we're able to monetize through demand, monetize through reach. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaSdoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.